everybody. Welcome back to Brunch and Slay, the podcast. I am your host, Amira Sane, uh, and it has been a great week. I'm so excited today because we have a Houstonian in the building or on the line, not in the building. She's in somebody's <laughs> building. <laughs> Uh, she is a yogi and she is a author with a soon to be best selling book coming out here on October 24th. And I'm excited to have her here. Hello, Miss Leara Tamani. Hello, hello. I'm hello. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. You know, I am so glad we connected and we are able to tell the Brunch and Slay tribe about what you've created with this great book, Calling My Name. I finished it last night. Yay. Yeah, and it was it's definitely an easy read. It's you know, it's I'm a reader and so I have to always say that to folks because you know how people say I don't read. Well, this is mm-hmm. an easy one. Uh and I am really loving having this opportunity to be exposed to new authors and new books coming out because this is probably like honestly, I'm smiling because it's like my 14-year-old stuff would be like, "Oh my gosh, girl, you got to read a book in advance." <laughs> Fancy. I feel real fancy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, all those times my mom, shout out to my mom for grounding me so much and making me read. uh, And that was literally my only source of entertainment. So I can read a book like in a day. Thank God for that. Yeah. So thankfully I was able to read this genius. uh, And yeah. So hello. Hello. Yeah, I think it also helps because it's in little pieces. It's kind of written in vignettes. Mm-hmm. And so taking in those little short pieces at a time or sometimes helps you move faster with it. It's like, okay, that little piece instead of you looking at like a 40-page chapter, you know? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, seriously, I shit you not, last night I read, I probably read the last, let's see, I was on 167. Uh, and I finished it last, like in an hour. And wow. Half. Like not even that, not even. So yeah, and I had been reading. And the only reason why it took me like over a week is because I have four of the books I'm reading right now. But that, it wasn't because the book wasn't something I wanted to read at all. And I had a couple of deadlines, but yeah, so I really enjoyed it. You're one of those people it. too. Like I'm one of those people too. Like I keep books stashed all around the house. I'll pick them oh, up yeah. at different times of day, you know, whatever I'm in the mood for, or if I'm upstairs, downstairs, wherever. But I like having different books going at a time. It's like dip into this world. And then dip yeah. into that world. And then dip into yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like watching TV. Like who who doesn't flip the channel? And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I might want a little self-help. I might want a little flashback with and I'm not gonna even give it away, but we'll definitely dive into your book. But I was enjoying the flashbacks and the references. I don't even know how you remember a lot of that stuff, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a second. So for those folks who uh, have don't have the pleasure of knowing uh, who you are, tell them a little bit about who you are, your background and where you are in this station in your life. Okay. Um, I grew up in Houston, Texas, H-Town. H-Town. I know, right? It's like every time, everywhere I go, I'm like, H-Town, (laughs) H-Town. I'm proud to be from Houston. Um, Grew up in Houston, um, went away to school um, at Duke in North Carolina. Um, Growing up, uh, my dad was an attorney. He was like, you know, very much so wanted me to be an attorney. And I was very much so an obedient child. Um, So I ended up um, going to Harvard Law. Um, But I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer for before that. And so um, I finally, when I got there, was like, I cannot ignore this voice inside of me that is saying you do not want to do this. And I left, Um, which at the time, everybody was like, what? Wait, are you are you okay, huh? You know, especially in our culture, like yes. say what now? Say what now? <laughs> you you dropping out of Harvard, huh? Right. <laughs> you 
but <laughs> I mean, I got all of that. Uh, yes, and probably still getting it. <laughs> what yeah but it's like you know you get to those points in your life where you like i have to listen to myself you know no matter if everybody else thinks i'm crazy i know this is the right thing to do for myself and i was definitely at that point i had been ignoring it for so long but when i got to that point and um debt was just accumulating too and you are you know a slave to that debt kind of when you when you graduate you know you would i would have had to be a lawyer i estimated maybe seven years to just pay off that debt and i was like there's no way wow. I'm spending these next two in law school and then another seven years doing this to pay back for this and all of this that I don't want, you know? Mm-hmm. So I left and I was like, you know, at that point I just knew, Hey, like, let me do, I need to go somewhere where there's a lot of creatives. I know that word is popular these days, but it's true. Like where yeah. are the creatives? So I decided I want to be in LA or New York and I chose LA um, mostly just because of the sun. Like give me the sun. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I have been in, I lived in New York and interned in New York um, over my summers in undergrad. Like I interned at HBO. I interned at the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Um, and I had my little dose of that. I even spent a semester in New York. And so I was like, okay, New York is cool, but I wanted to go somewhere sunny and went out to California. And that's when I kind of just got in my more creative groove and um started writing i had like an interior design business actually i've had all the jobs like, i can so see that yeah. Yeah. i've had all the jobs <laughs> had, um, doing interior design which i still love and it's like I, it's a skill that i love to have for my own self just creating kind of you know aesthetically pleasing spaces like i like you know i like to be in space that i'm like oh yeah you know that make me feel good but um while i was there i started writing i had my business but i started started writing at night and it just kind of took over, you know, um, first I was just writing for myself and then I was like, no, I need to learn more, learn more, you know, get more craft. And so I started taking at um, classes at UCLA extension. They have, um, a writing program. So I started taking classes at UCLA extension and then it's like, no, give me more, give me more. I want more. And so I ended <laughs> up, um, getting my master's, um, at Vermont college. And then that's where I wrote the book. Um, and so, and the rest is, you know, we can get into more detail later, but you know, wrote the book now, and I've lived like all over the place, but now back in Houston, um, I have a five-year-old. So, you know, have my little homie. She is really my little homie these days. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> With me and trying to make it happen, trying to write, writing the second book now, writing other things, you know, and trying to make this um, writer career happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could definitely see your creative side in the book because, um, there are a lot of times that I almost felt like a couple of the chapters were even poems. Hmm. Um, and maybe that's right. Am I right? Or? Yeah, it's like there. I I like the vignette style, um, which that that small, you know, short chapter style, because it lends itself to more lyricism. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a lover of words, a lover of language, a lover of rhythm. Um, and you know, everybody has kind of different styles to writing, but that I would say is definitely, you know tends to be more my style. Um, it's, um, I just like the way things sound on a page, the way they read out loud. So a lot of it does kind of border poetry. Oh yeah. I mean, there's one, uh, and I even folded this one because, and it's just, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You might not even remember writing this, but it was just, uh, let me see. Where am I? 
Oh, okay. This I just thought you wrote this so well. I'm scared of the feeling at first, but I get used to it. And when we cross over the Mississippi River and the chicks flap and flap, and halfway across the bridge, they lift off and fly over and through my 24 ribs. I don't mind because I know it must feel good to fly for the first time. Yeah. I just thought that was like, wow, I love the way. And I knew that you were referring to this, the situation probably in what was going on on that ride um, to a certain extent. But I just thought that was a very descriptive way about nervousness and excitement in this young girl's life. And I love that. So I just wanted to tell you Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. No, I know exactly where that's at, where they're going and taking her older brother to college. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and I totally got the nervousness. I remember those, you know, when we grow up in um, homes for people who have siblings and you're in the middle, you're not the oldest. Mm -hmm. I remember that weird transition when a sibling graduates and the house is different now, you know, and you don't know, like, what is it going to be like with my brother gone? What is it going to be like with my sister Mm -hmm. gone? And it's a whole new dynamic and it's nervousness. It's nervousness for everybody and excitement for them at the same time. So I loved uh, the way you wrote that. And I thought, wow, how eloquent. Go, girl. And it's kind of like she's sensing too it's like her brother's getting that taste of freedom you know yes. it's like he's going away to college you know he well he's always been a little bit freer you know yeah he's a boy which we can get into that later too but you know in college he's gonna be you know really free he's gonna be on his own and she's kind of feeling that freedom mm-hmm. however it's still a little caged because she's at home you know living oh yeah with her parents she can't be free out there like no that. not no, in that no, house no <laughs> No, no, no. Um, so she's also sensing a little bit of that. Like she's feeling it rise into her, but it's still, it's not getting out. You know, she Yes, yes. Yeah, so since we kind of touched on it now, there's a couple things. Now, I know that you were lucky enough to have a really cool person help you with the illustration on this, but can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, Vashti Harrison, who is absolutely amazing. Um, I was so lucky to have her. Um, She actually has a book coming out, Little Leaders, Bold Women in History. Um, And Chelsea Clinton has given her a shout out. All types of people have given her shouts out. And... I, when I saw the cover of my book, literally I was in tears. You know, I hit a Vashti all the time just saying, thank you, you know, like, thank you for my cover because, you know, it's like, this is my debut book. If I would have hated the cover or not have connected to the cover as much, it would have been a different experience. Every time I look at my cover, I feel... I love it. Like, I feel so much Mm -hmm. joy looking at it. And so I really have so much gratitude to her. She read the book. She got the main character. It it is her essence on that cover. And it's just so beautiful. I know Vashti talks about creating, um, you know, kind of images, magical images of black women, black girls. And Tasha is straight up magical on the cover. She looks magical. like, And I love Mm -hmm. it. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I love the illustration throughout uh, in yeah. the chapters. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Now, uh, a little bit about your book. Tell everybody, I guess, the premise, and then we can dive in and go a little bit more in depth about this masterpiece. Oh, um, yeah, it takes place in Houston, Texas. Um, it follows the life um, of a young girl named Taja. Um, and who she has an older brother, a younger sister, mom, dad. They stay in church. They're in church a lot. You know, like a lot of people in South. You know, I grew up, you know, Sunday service, sometimes second and third services, Bible study, mm-hmm. choir rehearsal, you name it, you know, yeah. in church. But um, mm-hmm. at a young age, um, 
she starts to kind of find, she discovers this voice inside her, you know, which really I like to call it's intuition, you know, which we all have that intuition, you know, that thing, that voice inside us that can tap that we can tap into, you know, it's powerful, it's intelligent, you know, it's loving, it's compassionate, it, it has gifts to give, you know, um, she discovers it inside of her, um, but obviously she's still in the house, she still has parents, which very much so tell her what to do, you know, she's discovering her little power and her intelligence inside, but on the outside, her parents are like, wait, hold up, uh-uh, wait, no, you know, yeah. and obviously you know, she has an older brother who's like telling her how to be and how to date and what kind of girl she should be. You know, she has the church telling her, you know, what to believe and what to think about the larger questions in life. Um, you know, as she gets older, she has her boyfriend, um, who's trying to tell her where to go to school, where to go to college. She wants to go, you know, somewhere far away where people don't know her, don't know her name, somewhere she can be a little bit more free, you know, to make mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, to discover new things. And he's like, wait a second. Um, wait, I can't get in school there. You know, I can't go there on, you know, playing football. Wait, you know, so really mm -hmm. it's about her, you know, learning to listen to that voice inside of herself and letting that be her ultimate guide and, um, and placing value on that. You know, it's the world is so noisy, you know, these are Taja's things and it's even worse today. You know, you have so much time on social media, so much time, just so many media things all always coming at you, coming at you, coming at you. And, um, it creates a difficult environment to listen to yourself. And that is the mm -hmm. best guide. You know, I, I know I heard the quote somewhere. It's like intuition is the highest form of intelligence. And, um, Ooh. and I strongly believe that, but you have to kind of be connected to yourself in order to listen to yourself. So that's essentially, I definitely agree. So you said you wrote the book in Vermont. So how, what inspired you? Like, where did this person and this character and this it's family come how from? It all started. Like, literally, I, I started the first chapter of the book. Um, I was coming back actually from my honeymoon. I was married at the time. Now I'm divorced. Um, <laughs> but it was a, it was a good honeymoon. I was coming back from South Africa, uh, <laughs> through the Paris airport. We had a seven hour layover. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, let me use this time. So, you know, went somewhere, try to find somewhere quiet to write. And I wrote about my first kiss, which happened at a national Baptist convention in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. I wondered how much of this <laughs> yes. was like uh, real yeah. life. Mm -hmm. yeah. First kiss. <laughs> um, yeah. National Baptist uh, convention in Detroit. And, um, I, it, it, the, it was like, it was pretty much my story, but of course I added to it, you know, to make it, you know, more dramatic and the voice of it was a little bit sassier than I was, you know, especially at that age. I didn't have all that sass. I was a little bit, you know, probably a little bit more passive and, um, um, just, you know, obedient and, but anyways, but, um, I was like, Ooh, I like this voice. You know, I like it. It flowed easily from me. And, um, mm -hmm. 
my advisor um, at Vermont College at the time, she was like, ooh, this voice, this is this is great, you know? And I was like, so I just added to it. You know, every semester, um, every month, you have to write a certain number of pages um, for the program. And I would, I just spent my time, all my time, on that voice, adding to, adding to, adding to it until, you know, by the time I graduated, I turned in a book for my thesis. I turned in my whole book. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that is how it came about. Um, Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I have so many questions. Okay. So the book, Number one, just to give guys a a little bit more from my point of view, it's based in the 90s, which I think that's one of the things that really uh, I could relate to uh, in the book. It's a book that's a it's a great book for anybody, I would say, from your tweens on up to adults, especially if you grew up in the 90s, Uh, because like I said in the beginning, Liera does a great job of referencing all the things we did in the 90s. I don't even know how you remember some of the stuff from attire to things that were hip, even the double, the yes. double dutch and the songs they're singing. You know, I'm like, wow, take me back. Yes, I remember Johnny that. Wilton. So, yeah. Interest, you know, yes, <laughs> like, like all of that little things are up in there because it's, you know, just a part of creating the setting, you know, and it was fun for me to yeah. reach back. It's like you literally it's like you forget the things that, you know, you some you hold them in your memory. But if you don't recall them you kind of lose them you know and so it was Mm -hmm. a full process for me just recalling all of these things and bringing them to back to the front of my mind you know because they were deep they get they get buried down under there you know after after the years oh yeah um it was a cool experience for me to revisit that time as well yeah, I really, really enjoy that part of it. And I enjoyed, I guess, um, there's so many cultural references that are prevalent that I enjoyed also. Not so much to where it was overwhelming or feel like it's an inclusive, not inclusive, but it was definitely uh, just a great, especially with the family dynamic and then seeing other people's perspective of different family dynamics. I thought you did a great job describing that. And I'm just wondering, like, okay, so... How much of your family? Are you an only child? How many siblings do you have? I tell y'all this, y'all gonna really think it's my story, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not. It's not. I mean, it partially is and partially isn't. Like, um, I have an older brother and a younger sister, and in the family dynamics, like the the family you know, set up is very much so like mine, but the characters are different. Mm -hmm. You know, the mom is not my mom. The dad is not my dad. The brother is not my, you know, the characters and their personalities, Mm -hmm. um, their characterization, they are different people, but I definitely drew from my own life. Um, and some of the stories like, you know, that first kiss story and the story where she starts her period, like, you know, I, you know, it's very similar to my experience. Um, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, Taja, I kind of drew from what I call, um, excuse me, um, kind of the impressions that certain things made on my life. You know, we all have those things that kind of, um, that good or bad that leave an impression, Mm -hmm. you know, um, And I, and it's like their emotional kind of weights, you know, that kind of live within us. And I drew from those moments and translated them into, you know, Taja's story. 
so, but yes, yeah. you know, my, my family is, you know, very similar to Taj's and we grew up in church. Like I said, it's a lot of similarities. Yeah. And a, a whole lot of really cool H-Town references too. Cause you know, you read books all the time uh, from authors in different cities and you hear and you have no idea what they're talking about. So that's really the first time I've read something. I knew where this high school was or yes. I knew what part of town I thought that was really cool. And not that this is just local, but I love you putting H-Town on the map yes. literally no. <laughs> in a literary. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty H-Town cool. Is yeah. Represented too. Cause you know, I've read tons of books and there aren't a whole bunch of books where H-Town is represented. Actually, I can't name one. I don't know if I can name one. Right, neither. Where, you know, H-Town is represented. So, you know, I loved, I love representing H-Town. Like my next book is also set in Houston. Like, I'm going to keep representing H-Town. Wow. So now I know one of the things I'm really interested in, I'm pretty sure a lot of folks here are listening in. What is it like? Now, um, another thing I want to say, I want to give you some more kudos. You know, this is... Um, Really cool because you're published by a branch of yes. HarperCollins. And um, that, I don't know if you guys are readers, but that is a huge feather in your hat. <laughs> Hello. Uh, if you're a reader, then you know who Harper, what publishing house HarperCollins is. So to be able to work with uh, a company like this and it be your first book, that's major. What is that process like? How does one even get their manuscript in front of uh, someone in that um, in that you wheelhouse. You have to get an agent. You know, um, they um, big publishing houses like HarperCollins don't take unsolicited manuscripts. Um, maybe, perhaps, like if you met somebody at a conference or something like that, you can sneak them and say, "Hey, read my book," or you know, whatever. But um, typically, you have to get an agent. Um, and so that's that was the hardest process for me was to get an agent. Um, and then once you have the agent, then they'll shop your book around. Um, and then hopefully, you know, somebody will buy it, but, um, yeah. How does one get an agent? I mean, you know, seriously, like from square one, I don't want you to give us the exact blueprint, but just to give folks an idea, I mean, so many women, uh, especially here lately who are self-publishing, which is still great. Uh, but I know that there are a lot of people with aspirations of, you know, being with folks on, on the, on the scale of Harper Collins, where do you start? How do you even know which way to to go? You know, because it's important to hear other people's stories so that you know, kind of where to go. Like you said, um, it starts with querying. Well, first, you know, have, you know, the product, which is the book. Um, and then you send out query letters, they call them. And you can Google query letters to get a sense of what they are. But it, in in a nutshell, they're a one-page um, one page letter saying, you know, um, what your book is about. You know, the first line is just try to get their attention in some in some way. Um, and also maybe what your book may be similar to, you know, other books that may be similar to, um, where if you've been published before, like it helps to have some kind of track record. Like I had a lot of short stories published before I started querying and it's weird how that works. It's like even getting your first short story published, it's hard. Like, you know, I probably sent out to 50 places before my first one got published or probably even more, you know, but then after that Mm -hmm. first one gets published, you know, the next place is like, Hmm, well, they published her. Let me give this, they, people pay more attention to it. And it's easier and easier to get published. So, 
you know, if you have other, you know, if you try to get your short stories or shorter works published first, if you've been published in different magazines or whatever it might be, um, you know, you could put that in the query letter too. So, you know, people will take notice and be like, okay, she's been published before. Um, and then normally it, it depends on the agent. Everybody has different requirements. You have to visit the agent's website and they will lay out what exactly they want from you. And, and I would try to follow that exactly because if you can't even follow directions, you know, they'd be like, er, trash, you know, because they, <laughs> no, really though, <laughs> because, you know, they, they have a million of these things come across their desk. They are looking at a ton. So if, if you can't even, you know, kind of give them the respect of giving them what they ask for, you, you probably, they probably won't look at it, you know? So go to their True. website, figure out exactly what they want and give them, give them what they want. You know, and a lot of times it, it, um, sample chapters of the book, you know, some ask for three chapters, some ask for, you know, five chapters. It just depends. So, um, but that is, you know, how you query and send them out there, you know, try to, you know, get as many out there as possible, you know? Yeah. 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 And I love that. I love that you're sharing that this is not something that happens overnight. I keep saying that over and over again, because a lot of times, we just see the, the aftermath. We don't see the journey. And I'm sure when you were sending out those inquiries over and over again, there were lots of moments of like, is this for me? Did I make the right decision? I bet you questioned that Harvard no, background totally. a little bit during the like, process. You know, it took me years to get an agent. <laughs> years. It's crazy. When mm-hmm. I started sending the book out, as soon as I finished it, right after I graduated um, from my master's program, and I got a good feedback. A couple agents actually took the time to have telephone conversations with me, which is like huge. Um, um, but they were, a lot of them were uncomfortable with the age span. It's like, it spans from 12 to 17 and, um, Mm -hmm. it, it, it's on the side of literary, it's a literary. So they thought, huh, well, you know, is this too old for kids or is it too literary? Will they understand it? You know, um, and it's not, it didn't fit in a typical box. You know, the box is like, mm-hmm. oh, she's seen, and this takes place over six months or one year most, but it, it didn't fit the normal, you didn't like check, check, check. It didn't fit the boxes, you know? And so people had a hard time with mm-hmm. it. And, um, and when, um, So I kind of like, you know, the agents were like, hey, go back and make this change. Go back and make this change. Maybe you can make her one year, you know, like 16 instead of all these years. And so, you know, I went back to it, tried to change it, you know, but then had a baby, you know, got a divorce, you know, moved three times. Life happened, you know, and life kind of took control. And it wasn't until years later, I was like getting back settled, kind of back in my groove of life, started working on another book. I was like, wait a minute, I hadn't even sent this book out. I was like, let me just send it out as is again. I'm going to send this book out. I may have added a few chapters Mm -hmm. and took away a few chapters, but I sent it out. And, um, and, um, I got an agent. I got multiple responses on agents saying, boom, boom, boom. Yes, yes, yes. It was, it was crazy. Just a matter of years, the same Mm. book, but a different set of agents. And that's important to remember too. You know, you have to keep sending out your book because different people, it will come in contact with different people's eyes and different people will respond to it differently. We Mm -hmm. don't all like the same thing. We're not going to all respond to it the same way. It's like the first, the first time it's like, Oh, you know, and maybe that the next time I had, 
you know, been published more. You know, I had more on my resume. Whatever the mm-hmm. case was, people were like, yes, 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 I want it. You know, and I ended up having my choice of which agent to go to. Yeah. All and right. then when my agent went to sell my book, it sold in a week. Like it sold fast, you know? And so it's like all of those years and all of that time and then boom, it happened. So, um, but it was a long process, you know, all those years I was writing and, you know, it's like, you know, people ask me what you do and I could, I couldn't, you know, it was hard for me even to say, Hey, I'm a writer. It was hard for me to even call myself that because I didn't, the next question would be, Oh, so where can I buy your book? And it's like, you have, you, mm-hmm. you know, you spend all your time doing this, you know, you can't even claim it. And I know that feeling of putting so much time and energy into something, but not feeling like you have succeeded at it yet. But it's so important to keep mm-hmm. going, keep going. If you want it, I think about oh, that. Yeah. If I would, if I would have been like, oh, all these people said, no, never mind. I wouldn't have a book out in the world. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you have to keep going, no. keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing until it, until it happens. And if you keep doing that, you will get a break. And you have to not deviate. Like you were a writer. Even then, a lot of times we think it's, we're fraud. It's like imperse imposters, uh, uh, you know, syndrome. You feel like, yes, I know in my heart, I'm a writer, but right. I'm not published. That doesn't mean you're not a writer. You know, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be a success. You're working towards your goal exactly. every day. That makes you a success in my book. Um, when you put it down and you, you just let the first thing discourage you, that maybe a failure it might be a temporary setback you just might need to regroup but it's okay to take some time to get your mind right because you we all know that that's life like you said life happens but when it is something and a desire of your heart I believe that it's like a fire you cannot quench um and you just have to keep plugging away and keep making it happen and I love that you're sharing how real the situation and how real the process was because I know folks who've been working on a book or wanting to write a book since I was a kid and they have a book in them and I just think that this is something you just answer like you said you just keep writing you keep plugging away and you keep figuring out what that groove is going to be so yeah wow so who ideally like who do you think will is the best audience who's this person who should who should buy this book or who should you buy this book for it's crazy it's like you know I think a lot of people, you know, anybody that is having a hard time listening to themselves, you know, listening to the voice inside of themselves, you know, anybody who um, is departing from their community um, and family teachings, you know, it's hard. It's hard to do that. You know, mm-hmm. people underestimate how hard it is to break away. It's like you love your family and you can love your community and love your family, but you can think differently from them. You know, you can go a different path than they want you to go. And a lot of people have a hard time um, doing that. You know, it's like you feel pressure, you feel indebted, mm-hmm. you feel guilt, you feel so many things not fought. Fo- so many things or so many ways about not following the teachings of your family and community. So I would say definitely, you know, anybody trying to, you know, kind of, um, you know, that has ever felt like an outsider, you know, and I know I felt like an outsider, Mm -hmm. you know, much of my, (laughs) much of my life with a lot of different communities, but anybody that's ever felt like an outsider, any girl, this book deals a lot with sexual shame, 
which, you know, so many girls have mm-hmm. to do deal with so much than boys. You know, we live in a society where there is very much so a double standard when it comes to sex. You know, boys still do whatever you want, but girl, you do something and they, you know, so quick to call you a hoe. What are the words out here these days? Thought, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like all the things. They always coming up with new yeah. words for it, right? <laughs> but it's just a way to judge girls. Right. It's a way to con- try to control their sexuality, mm-hmm. you know. Meanwhile, when boys are out here doing whatever, you know, and um, Taja, the main character, definitely deals with her fair share of that. So, and I think it's an important thing to talk about you know a lot of girls go through um you know this internal private shame it's like they carry it around you Mm -hmm. know they don't share it with people you know meanwhile you know it can be crushing soul crushing you know you can think you know your world is about to end because of it you know like you know even though we live in this big gigantic world you know high school a lot of times can feel like it's the world, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, that's your first taste of of transitioning from parents to your own and making decisions. So it's a lot. And, when, and it's so funny, reading your book, it brought back a lot of those memories for me. Like, in that moment, you think you know so much. And then you look back and you realize what you weren't ready for that maybe you experienced or what you might have been ready for. And you see it from different angles and... I'm glad I read it now, especially having a a daughter and trying to, you know, make sure that you don't always just preach at them, that you try to see things from their perspective. Um, You know, I grew up in a household like, of course, uh, I have a black, strong black mother who is like, hey, don't question me. Like, that's just it. Like, there's no (laughs) if mom says that's just the way it is. But I love the idea of allow my daughter the opportunity, not necessarily to question me, but to uh, say when she's upset. Or to voice those things, as long as it's in a respectful manner, I want her to say, hey, I really, this made me feel this kind of way. And I want her to be comfortable with that uh, and not feel pigeonheld to this persona of I am the ruler, you know. Uh, And that's a lot of times Mm -hmm. with parents, it's like you talk at your kids. Um, And even yesterday when I was meditating, one of the the affirmations was said, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. correct, don't punish. You know, and that spoke volumes to me because I was actually just talking to a friend of mine about how I realized sometimes, even as an adult, if something rubs you the wrong way, it's almost like instant punishment as opposed to correcting a behavior, even of a friend or a colleague or even an employee. Correct Mm -hmm. it. Don't punish. Don't hold on to that. And I think that's something that we need to practice a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, I think you touched on so many different things from religion to sex to uh, family dynamic, um, all these different energies, yeah, and so I really important. could relate you know, to it. A lot of times, you people treat kids like they don't matter. You know, like their opinion doesn't matter. Like you know, when you mm-hmm. like rule over kids with a hard fist like that, you know, it can stamp that voice out. You know, and then they can start to think it's not important. Mm-hmm. You know, if nobody is listening to it, if your own parents mm-hmm. aren't listening to it, like you know, it's important that kids know their voice matters. That their voice needs to be heard. Yeah. Speak out. Speak your truth. And it's important for kids yes. to be able to question. I mean, you have a world out here where there's all types of things flying about. You know, if you didn't, kids need to be able oh, to yeah. think. 
Kids need to be able to question so that they can make good decisions for themselves when they get older, you know, and it, you know, obviously you have to keep them in oh, check yeah. a little bit, you know, <laughs> obviously it's not, no, no, I mean, yeah, no, it's not a free for all around here. Don't, 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 don't get it twisted. No, no. <laughs> they need to stay in check, but at the same time, you don't want to quiet, you don't want to, you know, stamp, you know, that kind of spark, um, out of them. Oh, yeah. And it's important that creative process, like we talked about in the beginning, it's important to encourage that. So all the outlets, I think it's amazing. I think you've definitely got a winner here. And I know the book is about to be released in a few days. Uh, We are in, I'm going to date this podcast. We're in October now. This book comes out in less than a week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I cannot wait uh, to see where this takes you. Uh, I'm really enjoying this connection that we've created and I'm in love with uh, just just your mission and your your foundation for this book and just what it says about you and what I've learned about you since we've connected. I think that you have something here and I'm, I'm excited because it's, when I first started really diving into reading, especially more adult books or things of on this nature, I probably was in junior high, I want to say, uh, maybe a little younger. And I just remember having a lot of books like this during that time. But as I got older and kept reading in certain genres, it was like more of the books started getting more toward graphic sex um, than actual thinking and insinuations and making you use your imagination. That's one of the things I love about reading. That's why books are always better than movies because the books always can, it's in your head. So your creativity is so much more than what someone else can envision on a, you know, a movie. So I love that about it and I cannot wait to support you. And I will definitely, I'm definitely going to put a link. Where can people, where are people going to be able to find your book? So you can, yeah, like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, you know, books a million all your indie bookstores check out i know in houston blue willow bookshop is um, my favorite bookstore you also have katie budget books out in katie you have um just wherever you are i like to support my local bookstores i like it you know they're a good they do a good service to the community um and so but really wherever books are sold you can buy it yeah, and this is a great Christmas present. So it's a great stocking stuffer, um, a great conversation starter, especially for moms who maybe have daughters who are transitioning from, you know, elementary into junior high on into high school. This can get some conversation started. I could totally see how you could talk about some of those uncomfortable to- topics just by talking about the book with your daughter or your son. Um, I think this is a great tool, and I cannot wait. Like I said, to see what Thank this year brings so. for you, and congratulations. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. <laughs> um, so where can people find you? I'm, I'm on mostly on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook. Um, Liara Tamani is just L-I-A-R-A-T-A-M-A-N-I. Liara Tamani. You can find me. Yes. Yes. And I will definitely put that in the show notes. <laughs> so please don't pull over or swerve or try to text and drive. <laughs> It will be there for the future. So don't you worry. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Lear, for joining us and for sharing your baby with me and allowing me the privilege of being able to find out about Miss Taja uh, early. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, my pleasure. And until next time, guys, I'm Amira Sane, and this is Brunch and Slay. Have an awesome day.